0: The past year, the WFMd news team covered many stories impacting the local community. Here are two we covered at the beginning of 2021.
1: At the end of January, the Frederick County Teachers Association expressed no confidence in Superintendent Dr. Teresa Alban and the Board of Education. This was in response to the superintendent's decision to bring hybrid learning before health and safety measures are in place. Dr. Albin said the information she used to make her decision came from state officials. They
2: have shared a lot of. Research Studies with us that have looked at when kids are in schools, what happens with spread. And it is a very low risk environment for students. We were able to track our own Frederick County data because we had small groups of students in from September until
1: December. Students began hybrid learning on February 16th. In February, legislation covering residents in nursing homes and assisted living facilities was being sponsored by Frederick County Delegate Karen Lewis-Young during the General Assembly session.
2: If you are a resident of a long-term care facility, you have the right to appoint an essential caregiver who would have visitation rights.
1: Young said the bill would help ensure that residents in long-term care facilities would not have to suffer isolation, fear, loneliness, and uncertainty during the COVID-19 pandemic. On January 5th, it was announced no criminal charges would be filed against two Frederick County Sheriff's deputies involved in a police shooting in October 2020. An investigation conducted by the state's attorney's office concluded that the actions of the deputies who shot Brian Selmer along Silo Hill Parkway in Emmitsburg were objectively reasonable based on standards determined by the U.S. Supreme Court. He said the conclusion is based entirely on relevant criminal law and standards of proof in Maryland. It does not limit administrative actions by the sheriff's office. We don't opine in terms of whether it's
3: any civil liability or they breached any other standards, although we consider those. So this is strictly
1: a finding that no charges will be placed against these two Frederick County Sheriff's deputies. The deputies were pursuing Selmer when he turned and took a shooting stance as if he was armed. The deputies fired on him. Then they administered first aid before Selmer was medevaced to shock trauma where he died. This summer, civil unrest related to the George Floyd incident in Minneapolis prompted the hiring of Frederick County's first ever equity and inclusion officer. Michael Hughes joined WFMD in the beginning of January to talk about his new position. Hughes held various leadership roles in higher education around the country and said his hiring doesn't necessarily mean that there's an equity problem in our community.
4: Well, I think it more speaks of there's an interest in ensuring that there's diversity, equity, inclusion that's occurring. This has always been a challenge in in our land. And so, uh, you know, there's been elevated concern and interest to it, but it's not like the issues are new. Uh, There's a growing interest in these things and a desire to make sure that we're producing uh, a society that that is equitable for all the residents and the community.
1: His starting salary is $95,000 a year.
0: Here's a look back at some that we covered in March of this year.
1: On March 21st, sadly, the case of a missing Frederick teenager came to an end. Spokesman Todd Weivel at the Frederick County Sheriff's Office says deputies responded to the 8100 block of Runnymede Drive.
3: Once they got there, deputies found
1: a vehicle with the body inside. Uh, the body was missing Frederick teen Curtis Mason Smith, uh, age 19. Smith was pronounced dead at the scene. Frederick police say Smith was reported missing by his family and was last seen on Friday, March 19th. At a news conference on Thursday, March 26th, Frederick County Sheriff Chuck Jenkins shared details on the ongoing investigation into the murder of Curtis Smith. Charges of first-degree murder and use of a firearm in a violent crime were filed against 19-year-old Joshua David Eckenrode of Thermont. Jenkins said explosive devices, firearms, handguns, rifles, and ammunition were found in Eckenrode's apartment. In charging documents, police wrote Eckenrode was possibly intending on carrying out a mass shooting or a mass casualty event.
4: Again, in the notes we found with that would allude, that alluded to that something were
5: to happen, something was going to happen, and he probably wouldn't survive. So beyond that, at this point, we just simply don't know.
1: Curtis's father, Zachary Smith, believes his son's death saved the community from what could have been a tragic event.
5: Um, and then just everybody needs to remember Mason was a great kid, he was a hero, and he always had a smile. And he's still smiling now.
1: He's smiling at all this, and he's smiling at what he saved. A candlelight vigil for Curtis Smith was held in April.
5: Here's
0: a look back at some of the stories we covered in April of this year.
1: Gun violence erupted in the morning hours of April 6th. At around 8.20 a.m., Frederick Police received a call for an active shooter at the Riverside Technology Park on Progress Drive. Police Chief Jason Lando. Upon arrival at the scene, they found two
4: adult males had been shot. Both males were in critical condition. They were flown by helicopter to Baltimore shock trauma.
1: Lando said the shooter then traveled to the Fort Detrick military base where he was shot and killed by U.S. Navy personnel. Frederick City Mayor Michael O'Connor. I don't think you can ever know how these incidents are are going to transpire, so we're lucky, I think, to be able to go back and rely on the training of the the agencies involved to be able to respond as quickly as they can. They're rapidly evolving situations, and... Everybody did their jobs today. It's just a tragic situation. Fort Detrick police identified the suspect as a 38-year-old active-duty Navy sailor who was stationed at Fort Detrick. Lando said both victims were in critical condition. And later that day, a hero was laid to rest. Brunswick Police Chief Milton Fretch was remembered that day during a funeral service. He died at the age of 56. He had worked in the Baltimore City Police, the Frederick Police, the Sheriff's Office, and Brunswick Police, where he became chief. Captain Kevin Grunwell with the Brunswick Police also worked with Fretch when they both were part of the Sheriff's Office.
3: Milton was a true public servant. He was a hell of a cop. He's a member of a great team, a mentor. And most importantly, a great friend. And those characteristics were from 20 years ago when I was his supervisor.
1: As a chief, he was all of those and so much more. Chief French was taken to the Blue Ridge Cemetery in Thurmont where he was laid to rest. Here's a look back at one from May of this year. The
4: anti-police movement heated up this past year. In May, Maryland State Fraternal Order of Police President Clyde Boatwright said all interested parties should have had a seat at the table to discuss police reform. That should have also included the FOP.
5: I will say that when this session first began, we were not a part of the discussion. Ultimately, it evolved into us having a seat at the table, but we were initially frozen out of the the discussion. So it was never a negotiation. Uh, It was all, you know, what's going to happen, what we're going to be forced to deal with and forced to.
4: Boatwright said that the Maryland abolition of the law enforcement officers bill of rights has resulted in low morale and decreased applicants looking to join as officers
5: have a recruitment issue as it relates to policing in Maryland. Sadly, based on these strong reforms, we now have a retention issue.
4: Frederick County wasted no time in helping Elum to get up and running. In May, the company opened a new manufacturing plant along Executive Court South at Progress Labs, the corporate park near Route 85. Helen Profiteer is the director of the Office of Economic Development. Her
2: um, permits department um, gets involved and really uh, walks through hand-in-hand hand with Ellume and the Matin, uh Company to make sure that all timelines are met.
4: Matten Company developed the site. Profiteer says Ellooms operations will create up to 1,500 jobs. The company develops diagnostic solutions for infectious diseases and has manufactured a COVID-19 home test.
1: Here's a look back at one from June of this year.
4: Maryland State Police were called to a tragic scene that appeared to be an apparent murder-suicide in Washington County. Spokesman Greg Shipley said the bodies of 34-year-old Sean Thompson of Frederick and his 2-year-old son Dawson were found along the Appalachian Trail early on Friday, June the 11th. Shipley said state police were contacted by Sean Thompson's wife around 10.30 p.m. on the day before to report her husband missing.
3: She was concerned about her husband's whereabouts at that point. He was critically missing. Uh, She had found his car in a parking lot uh, near the Appalachian Trail, uh, near Boonesboro. She said he frequently hiked that area, but he had left last night with his son.
4: Troopers began a search, and at about 3 a.m., the child's body was found in a ravine off the trail, and Sean Thompson's body was found less than an hour later. At
3: this time, investigators believe that this uh, appears to be a murder-suicide involving Sean Thompson and his son.
4: This has been WFMD's Year in Review.
0: The past year, the WFMD news team covered many stories impacting the local community.
4: These stories are from July of this year. Phase one of the Sophie and Madigan's playground in Frederick was completed in April. However, the first segment of that playground was dedicated Friday, July the 16th. Co-founder of the playground, Chrissy Lillard, said phase one is called Fantasyland.
2: Sophia Madigan's playground is Frederick City's first inclusive playground. Uh, We built phase one in honor of our daughter, Sophia Madigan, who passed away in 2013.
4: Lillard said phase two will be called Wonderland.
2: Phase two, Wonderland, we're hoping to finalize our fundraising this fall and perhaps get it built this fall if we're able to fundraise fast enough. If not, then we'll, we'll be building in the spring.
4: Lillard said the team is about $50,000 away from their fundraising goal for phase two. This story is from August of this year. Funeral preparations were being made for Captain Joshua Laird, the Frederick County firefighter died on Wednesday, August 11th after falling through a floor while working to extinguish a house fire in Iamsville. Fire and Rescue Services officials say Laird's body was transported to the Maryland State Medical Examiner's Office for an autopsy. A full procession was held for Captain Laird as his body returned to Frederick County. Hundreds of people gathered along a 90-mile procession route as the fallen Frederick County Fire and Rescue Battalion Chief was transported to a funeral home in Taunty Town. Vicky Vicki Shockley came to Taunty Town to see the procession and to support the Laird family.
5: Yes, it's very sad. Um, I know the family, so it's, that's why we came up to kind of see the procession.
4: Kathleen Bulldock also felt it was important to come to the procession.
2: Well, I live in Tawny Town and it is a very sad day. However, our Tarneytown group is very good at um, helping the community and everything.
4: On August the 16th at 12.30 p.m., a procession took Laird from Fairfield, Pennsylvania, to the PNC Sports Complex at Mount St. Mary's University in Emmitsburg. A public viewing was held Monday from 2 until 8 p.m. His funeral service was held at 1 p.m. Tuesday, the 17th at the PNC complex.
0: Over the past year, WFMD's news team has covered many local stories impacting the community.
4: This story is from
6: September of this year. Chamber of Commerce President Rick Weldon agrees with those who say the enhanced unemployment benefits, which ended last weekend, made it easy to collect benefits rather than apply for jobs. But Weldon says that's only part of it.
3: Access to affordable child care is another one. That's a huge issue. I mean, I hear it every day from, um, you know, from our employers in Frederick County.
6: He also says many people are afraid of contracting COVID-19, especially the Delta variant.
3: I think there are a lot of pieces to this that are affecting the challenges that employers are having. And you almost can't blame them for dropping their standards, right? I mean, they've got to be
6: open. Weldon says many employers have hired those who are under age 18 or don't have at least a high school diploma because they need a workforce to stay in operation. Kevin McManus, W.F. That's the question which was discussed this week on WFMD's Morning News Express. Chamber of Commerce President Rick Weldon agrees with those who say the enhanced unemployment benefits, which ended last weekend, made it easy to collect benefits rather than apply for jobs. But Weldon says that's only part of it.
3: Access to affordable child care is another one. That's a huge issue. I mean, I hear it every day from, um, you know, from our employers in Frederick County. He
6: also says many people are afraid of contracting COVID-19, especially the Delta variant.
3: I think there are a lot of pieces to to this that are affecting the challenges that employers are having, and you almost can't blame them for dropping their standards, right? I mean, they've got to be open.
6: Weldon says many employers have hired those who are under age 18 or don't have at least a high school diploma because they need a workforce to stay in operation. Our charter schools have their own budget and so their budget's based on 161 students. So they will now start going out to try and get commitments from families that are willing to send their kids to that school. Our charter schools have their own budget, and so their budget's based on 161. Our charter schools have their own budget, and so their budget's based on 161 students. So they will now start going out to try and get commitments from families that are willing to send their kids to that school.
4: Over
0: the past year, WFMD's news team has covered many local stories impacting
4: the community. This story is from October of this year.
2: A lot of preparation so far in that uh, we had to decide on who we would like to have serving on that committee, how many people we want to have serving on the committee, then having the board involved in making decisions for who will serve on the committee. We had our first committee meeting just this week, and we're very proud of the number of people we have. We have 13 people representing the community and also the college faculty. We also have a student on that committee. The role of the search committee will be to eventually interview uh, a select number of candidates, We are using a search firm that is a national search firm, and we are following their guidance in in the process. They will collect all of the applications. The search committee will review those applications and choose, I would guess, maybe somewhere around 20 candidates that would fulfill the profile of what we want as a president. Interviews will be done, and those will get narrowed down to a select number, approximately five, three to five semi-finalists.
5: This is not an exodus of county government from downtown. Winchester Hall, this building, will stay in full operation. 30 North Market across the street where our planning, permit, and and treasury function will continue in full operation. The root building at 118 North Market will stay in full operation. In short, what we're asking the council to do is approve uh, budget funding, which we already have on hand. We have the cash in the bank. There are no new taxes involved in this request.
6: Citizens Who Spoke said the process has not been very transparent. Juliana Lofton from Myersville says she's concerned as to why the public was not made aware of this proposal much sooner.
2: I'm also confused. uh, It's as to why we were informed right now when there's 10 days left.
6: Chief Administrative Officer Rick Harcum says the seller wants closure from the county by October 15th or the building will be sold to someone else.
5: The seller is a motivated seller and has been watching this proceeding and has indicated if we don't go to the settlement table on October 15th, they will move on. This opportunity has come to us very fast and it will slip away from us very fast if we don't act by next Tuesday night.
6: That's when the council is expected to vote on the proposed sale. The county wants to relocate some of its local government operations to 800 Oak Street. And they expressed those points of view during a hearing Tuesday night before the county council. Mike Morse testified,
4: We believe the, proposed, the planned purchase of the property and its proposed use has not been an open, transparent process. In fact, Some see this as being done in total secrecy.
6: Chief Administrative Officer Rick Harcum says purchasing this building and relocating some county government agencies can benefit the county.
5: What you all get for this is a faster delivery of services at a lower cost to the taxpayer. In my opinion, that's a definition of a win-win.
6: The council is expected to vote next week on whether to purchase the 209,000-square-foot building. Kevin McManus, WFMD News.
0: Over the past year, WFMD's news team has covered many local stories impacting the community. Here's a look back at some stories covered in November of this year.
6: Early in November, the Frederick Board of Aldermen approved the purchase of the former Social Services building on East All-Saint Street as a new police headquarters. Mayor Michael O'Connor says the cost is $28 million. That's the all-in price on uh, acquiring both the office building at 100 East All-Saint Street, which the Board of Aldermen has approved that. Uh, That sale. So we'll be going into closing early in December on that building. The building is expected to open as a police headquarters in early 2024. The police department is currently housed in cramped quarters at the county courthouse. During the week of December 6th, the Maryland General Assembly took public testimony during a special session to discuss redrawing the state's congressional map. Citizens spoke either in favor of the Legislative Redistricting Advisory Commission or the Maryland Citizens Redistricting Commission map, which is supported by Governor Larry Hogan. Physician and former District 3 Representative Dr. Gary Applebaum showed his support for the Citizens Redistricting Map.
4: I strongly urge the committee to support the map in House Bill 2 that will lead to Congresswomen and men who will truly be able to do the people's work for their constituents and not the politicians work of simply getting reelected by following the lead of their party and not their people.
6: Mayor Martin from Annapolis says she supports the Legislative Redistricting Advisory Commission's map but wants a change.
2: I don't feel that Annapolis being put in the fourth district really has a relational importance to the suburbs of D.C. I feel that Annapolis should be in the 1st District, not the 4th, under the proposed LRAC map.
6: The Maryland Legislative Committee voted for the Legislative Redistricting Advisory Commission map, which Governor Hogan vetoed. The Maryland General Assembly voted on December 9th to override Hogan's veto. Hogan said the new lines for the state's eight U.S. House seats are drawn even more unfairly and this map will be challenged in court.
0: Here's a look at one that happened earlier in December. It's
6: a major milestone for long shots in Frederick. The local off-track betting site has been awarded its sports wagering facility license by the state of Maryland. Owner Elise Cohen says she's thrilled.
2: We're just so excited that this is something that we can bring to Frederick And not have in West Virginia or have, you know, people have to drive all the way to Baltimore. We think this is an opportunity for us to shine.
6: Cohen hopes to have Long Shots ready for sports betting sometime during the first three months of 2022, perhaps in time for March Madness.
2: We can't give you any specific dates right now, but we're hoping that, again, it'll be early next year.
6: Cohen says Long Shots is the only 100% women-owned business in Maryland which applied for a sports betting license. It's located within the Clarion Inn near the FSK Mall.